Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 10. And let's get into this. Amen? <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat> now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am for you, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay, and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. <clears throat> Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Hallelujah. This morning I entitled this message, When God Calls You By Name. When God Calls You By Name. The Word of God makes it very clear that God knows everything about us. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how many hairs are in your head. Amen? It's one thing for God to know everything about you, but it's another thing when God, the God of all creation tries to get your attention by calling you by name. You see... This is the difference between religion and relationship. Amen? Now, uh, there are some very important points in this account that I believe uh, the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you today. And I want to bring these up. Now, I'm going to touch on several different topics, all right? So I might be bouncing around a little bit, but you're used to that by now. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at verse 1. 1 Samuel 3.1. Let's go through this. It says... Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. The Hebrew word that's translated ministered uh, there in that verse literally means this, to serve or to attend as a worshiper. To serve or to attend as a worshiper. So not only <clears throat> did Samuel, even as a little child, serve God, but he was a worshiper of God. A worshiper of God. Now, you'll follow, follow me now. Now, verse 7 sounds like a contradiction. Look at verse 7 here. <clears throat> it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Now, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? Oh, he was a worshiper of the Lord, or he served the Lord, and then it says, well, he didn't even know the Lord. First off, uh, that verse literally means, verse 7 literally means that Samuel, up to that point, have, has never heard the voice of God up to that point. That's what it's talking about, all right? So, Eli the priest, what, what is this about Samuel? Who's Eli? Eli 
was a priest. And he was given the task to raise and mentor Samuel. He, Samuel later became the prophet Samuel. So Eli was a priest, and he was given the task to raise up and mentor Samuel in the ways of the Lord. Samuel's mother, if you remember the account, Samuel's mother's name was Hannah. She could not bear children, all right? She was barren, the Bible says. So she cried out to the Lord one, you know, she really desired a child, and she cried out to the Lord, Lord, if you give me a man-child, I will dedicate him to you, all right? Well, how many of you know that God takes vows seriously? He takes them seriously, and he expects us to follow through with them. So God he touched Hannah's womb, and Hannah made that vow to the Lord, and she had the man-child, the baby, and she kept her word by allowing Samuel to be mentored by Eli in the ways of the Lord. Are you following me? So it says Samuel was ministering to the Lord, and the Lord began to call his name. I don't know about you, but I see a connection there, don't you? Because back in, or over in Acts 13, there's an account that talks about there were certain prophets and certain teachers that came together, and it says they ministered to the Lord, and they were fasting. They were seeking the Lord for instruction. They needed instruction from the Lord back over in Acts 13. So they ministered to the Lord. They served him by, by seeking him, by blessing his name, by fasting, all right? And what does it say in Acts 13? Well, go look at it for yourself. It says the Holy Ghost spoke to them. The Holy Ghost gave a word of instruction to them. And it's interesting here that it said that Samuel ministered unto the Lord. And who came knocking on Samuel's door? The Lord. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> so, but listen to me. Ministering to the Lord is not just a work. It's not just a one-time thing. Listen, it's a heart attitude. It's a heart attitude that is desperate to know God more, to know Him int intimately, and to be used by Him. Are you following me? It's not just some mathematical equation, okay? All right, because God looks at the heart of an individual. All right? I'll be touching that in a minute here. Minute here. But... Um, so yeah, so it's not just a mathematical formula. Um, see, there's some listening to me, some, some maybe here or on the radio, on the internet, there's some Christians who simply do things, who simply pray, and who simply want to be used, simply, hey, look at me, kind of a thing, right? How many of you know God sees right through that? God can see right through that. He wants your heart. He wants him to be at the priority of your life. That's what he wants, and that's when he will speak. That's when he will reveal himself to you more. Um, so the goal, our goal to minister to the Lord should be to advance the kingdom of God, to know God more, amen? So now, so just, we have to be careful of our motivation. Why are we seeking the Lord? Is it just because I want something, amen? Or do you want to know him more? Think about it, think about it. Um, so now, <clears throat> let's see here. So Samuel, even as a child, was seeking God for who he is and not what God for, can do for him. Now listen to me. This is where I'm covering a broad spectrum. Parents, don't fall into the trap of the world and to the devil to think that every kid has to go through a rebellious stage. They don't. They don't have to. See, the world programmed us that way that, well, <laughs> Oh, they're not in their teens yet. Oh, get ready. No, it doesn't have to be that way. 
It doesn't have to be that way. Proverbs 22.6 says this, To train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Amen? So in other words, if we are doing our job as a parent that we ought to be and raising them in the ways of the Lord, they're not going to depart. We need to do what we got to do. Amen? They'll come back. They might take a little rabbit trail, but they'll come back. Amen? Amen. Now listen. Um, so your child can have the same attitude and love for God as Samuel did. But it takes spending time with your child. And to, to put it frank, many parents aren't willing to do what it takes to be obedient to that verse. Many parents just don't want to do what it takes because of selfishness or, or whatever. But, and, and by the way, it takes more than bringing your kids to a one or two hour church service. It takes more than youth group on a Wednesday night. Because the fact is, me or Pastor Tom and Carol, we don't live with you guys. Come on. The Bible says in, uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy, that it says God expects us to, to raise our children up in the ways of the Lord and teach them the word when they rise up. You know, and, and it gives all these things. And basically it's saying, hey, God's saying include me in all areas of raising up your child. Amen? Take time. Have a time where you set aside for devotions, uh, family devotions or something like that. <laughs> set it apart some time and always take an opportunity to interject uh, a lesson from Scripture. All right, if they're talking bad or calling someone stupid, well, you know, you can interject something that Jesus says that we are to love. But, you know, that, you know what that means, though? It takes that parents need to know what the Word says. Amen? Amen? For us to truly do that, we need to know what this says. So we know how to train them up in the ways of the Lord. Amen? Oh, it's a little quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> now, um, so now, go to 1 Samuel 3, 1 again, if you could put that back up on the screen. Hallelujah. The second part, it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. I don't know about you, but that, that like jumped out at me. It's like, all right, God, there was no, why? That was, when I read that, I was like, Why? Well, the Holy Ghost brought up why here. Um, it was rare. There was no widespread revelation. God's leaders back in this time, Eli had, two, had sons who worked in the temple, all right? And uh, they, were, they were falling into sin. They were, des listen to me, they were de the word of God says they were desecrating the temple by having sex with women right in the church, basically, in the temple. And then it says uh, that they were taking the meat offerings and eating them. So in other words, the offerings that they were making to the Lord, they were taking them for themselves and making a meal out of it. How many of you know God didn't like that very much? Amen? No wonder why the word of the Lord was rare. What do you think hinders the word of the Lord? What hinders God from revealing more of himself to us, more of his word? It's a three-letter word, sin, sin, that's right. So, listen, <clears throat> there was major, say major, major corruption in the church, amen, in the believers. And, of course, it angered, and it grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit of God. And if it's interesting here. 
Uh, Ephesians 4.30 in the New Testament says don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Sin in our lives will grieve. It will quench the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And it will keep you dry spiritually. Amen. It will keep you from, from really the Holy Spirit really illuminating, illuminating the Word of God and what He wants to show you. It will hinder you from being used by God. Amen. Um, so here's another thing. One thing that the Holy Spirit also showed me about this was the part about Eli's sons, how they were taking the offerings that were holy and belonged to the Lord. Now this is interesting. Where am I going with it? Turn to Malachi 3.8. Malachi 3, verse 8. The Holy Spirit immediately, when I read that, brought to me this scripture to my remembrance. He said, many of my own people are robbing me by not giving tithes and offerings to my work. And that will no doubt grieve the Spirit of God. How many of you know that? Look at this. Let's read this. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we, have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Say tithes. tithes. Say and. and. Offerings. And then, verse 9, it says, you are cursed with a curse. Well, this can't be talking about unbelievers because an unbeliever is a child of the devil. They're already cursed. So this must mean a believer can be cursed. Oh, that's opened up a whole other teaching right there. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, uh, so because Malachi says that you're keeping back that which is holy unto God, how God requires, the word tithe, for those who might not know, means a tenth. It means 10%. So you make 50 grand a year, five grand is a tithe, right? All right, and then an offering is anything up and beyond that 10%. So the Bible says that God expects, expects us to get um, to give tithes and offerings to the Lord. Now, uh, I know the arguments now. Some say, well, tithing is in the law, right? Tithing's in the law. We're not under the law, right? Well, go look it up for yourself because God commanded Abraham to tithe 430 years before the law ever came into effect. So now, listen to me, the fact is this, 430 years, God tells Abraham he needs to do this, God keeps it in the law, and he keeps it in the law of faith. The Holy Ghost said, there's nowhere in the New Testament where I told you not to do it. He goes, what I did do, I did add the verse, I love a cheerful giver. Oh, come on now. It doesn't say anywhere that, that tithing stopped before the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, and in. He didn't take it away, but he added, come on, put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face. He said, I love a cheerful giver. Nowhere did he say to stop giving tithes. All right? So, so not one single verse in the New Testament. Uh, oh, by the way, don't shoot the messenger. I'm simply giving you the, word, the facts from the Word of God, all right? That's it. That's it. 
Now, because I'm not talking to just people here, I'm talking to people who are listening to me on the radio, around the body of Christ around the world. Amen? Amen. So, uh, but I just need to tell you that if you don't obey the word of God by tithing and giving offerings, you just need to know what the Bible says. You're cursed with the curse and you're robbing God. So you can't go to heaven one day. When God asks you, why didn't you do this? You can't say, Pastor James never told me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Good. All right. I washed my hands of that. Uh, hallelujah. Now, 1 Samuel 3. Let's go back there. <clears throat> hallelujah. My job is to teach you guys this because I want to see you prosper. Amen? And it's just a principle in the Word of God. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 3, 2 through 10. Hallelujah. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was laying down in his place, and with his eyes had begun to grow dim, blah, blah, blah. Now, listen to me. The God of all creation calls Samuel's name. I was going to read it, but I changed my mind. So, <laughs> the God of all creation calls Samuel's name because his heart is pure and right with God. Say pure. And right with God. Samuel is a servant and a worshiper of God. God could trust Samuel with a message. God could trust Samuel with a message. Boy, you know, that is a, an indictment. When God can trust a little kid with a message and he can't trust some adults in the body of Christ with a message. Amen. All right. Now, uh, <clears throat> listen, under the new covenant now, of course, God verbally was calling out to Samuel in, in here. Now, under the new covenant, the primary way, now I say primary because I'm not saying that God would, is never going to speak to any one of you ever in an audible voice because there are people who have testimonies that God spoke to them audibly. Amen? People, I heard some testimonies of people who were getting ready to go on some airline flights and they heard an audible voice say, don't get on that airplane. And they didn't, and that airplane ended up crashing. Well, it saved their life. God was trying to get their attention real quick. Amen. But the primary way that God speaks to us is through the inward witness. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of your spirit. Some people call it an intuition. You know, sometimes you ever go to do something, and, and it just some, it, you just don't have peace on the inside about it. Something just doesn't feel right. That's the inward witness. If you don't have peace, don't proceed. Amen? What is it? Jan said to me, Jan Oliver said to me once, uh, she heard Keith Moore say, uh, if it isn't quite, it's not right. Don't you love that? Hallelujah. So the primary way that God speaks to us uh, in, in this, under this new covenant is the inward witness. The Holy Spirit will tug on your heart. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule, rule you, basically. It's mean, let the peace of God be your umpire. In other words, if you don't have peace, what does an umpire do in baseball when the guy's out? You're out of there. If you don't have peace, you tell that plan to go bye-bye. Because you're, you're on a road where the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, don't move forward with that. Don't do it. Amen? And then you're going to run into some trouble. Uh, let's see here. Now, this is ironic. This, this, there's some ironic things in this account. Eli is instructing and mentoring Samuel about God's voice, how to respond to him, while at the same time, his sons are having sex in the temple and robbing God of his offerings. 
Now listen to me. Uh, the word that God was about to give Samuel was a word that was going to judge Eli and his sons for the evil that they were doing. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 3, 12 and 13 here. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. It says, in that day, I will perform. So now, God got Samuel's attention. Samuel says, you know, here I am, Lord. And so God got his attention. This is what he's saying to Sam. God's saying to Samuel. In that day, I will perform against Eli and all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to end. For I have told him. Oh, there it is. I have told him. God warned him. I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity or sin which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Oh my goodness. Listen, parents. God held Eli. Of course, his sons were responsible for the acts. But then God says, Eli, I'm holding you responsible for the acts of your children because you didn't restrain them. Now that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And it sounds like the boys were old enough to know what they were doing. Come on. They weren't infants if they were having sex in the church. Amen? So God holds Eli responsible. He said, because you did not restrain them. You didn't do enough about it, Eli. Because you didn't do enough about it, you're going to be judged for this. And now, so Eli is raising up Samuel and mentoring Samuel how to hear God's voice, how to respond to God, but he lets his own children go to pot. Now, uh, so this tells me that, that you can be doing something, what we would be called, nah, you know, we're doing something good. Eli was doing a good thing in mentoring Samuel, wasn't he? While at the same time, our own children are on the way to hell. Oh, my goodness. Come on now. Someone needs to hear this. So when God calls, there may be times when God tugs on your heart to speak a word that isn't easy to give or to do something that isn't easy. Uh, maybe the Lord has laid an individual on your heart. Maybe that's not living right. And God's been tugging on your heart to share Christ with them and to warn them about eternity in a lake of fire. Do you, know, do you think it was easy for Samuel to give that message to Eli, a man who Samuel loved and respected because he was mentoring Samuel in the ways of the Lord. Yet God taps Samuel on the, on the shoulder and says, I want you to tell him this, judgment is coming. Do you think it was easy? So every task that God tells us to do is not going to be easy. Amen? Amen? See, there are many times when Scripture says that we are to do things without partiality. That's when it's put to the test. That was put to the test to Samuel right there. Amen? And uh, so maybe God, when God speaks to you, maybe he's going to wake you up in the middle of the night to pray. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond when God wakes you up? Are you just going to roll over and say, not tonight, God, I'm too tired? Or are you going to respond? 
as Samuel did and say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You see, we need to respond with a willing heart like Samuel did. Isaiah 119, this is a real awesome scripture. It's just a principle. You see, <clears throat> sometimes scriptures are just one context and you can't take it out of context because then you're going in the ditch on a certain thing. But there's some scriptures that have different meanings and they're a principle you can apply to anything. This is one of them. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Amen? See, there's no greater honor than when God calls you by name. God is not looking for a perfect vessel, but he's looking for a willing vessel. He's looking for a vessel that serves and worships him from the heart. Amen? So how are you going to respond next time God calls you by name? Amen? We need to be willing and obedient. Let's stand in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I know I jumped around a little bit today, but Father, someone took a piece of something today. And I pray that piece that each one needed to hear, Father God, it would just be engrafted upon their heart. And that you would show them, that you would give them deeper revelation of it, Father God, and, and how to apply it in their own lives. Maybe there's someone in here who's never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. Today is the day of salvation. Don't walk out of here without having a new birthday, the new birth experience. Become born again. Make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You'll never regret it. What you will regret is failing to do that and standing before God on judgment day. I believe God is going to be crying on that day when people are thrown into the lake of fire. Why? Because the provision's been made already. But now it's just up to you to tap into the provision that Jesus did on the cross and made for you. Come forward if that's you. Maybe there's someone here you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You're not living right. You know who you are. Come forward. Let's make it right today. I want to pray with you. Let's just settle it today. Maybe you're a born-again believer. You love the Lord, but you never received the Holy Spirit baptism. You don't have everything God wants you to have. Brother, sister, you're running on 50%. You want it all, I want you to come down. Lastly, maybe you need a physical healing in your body like I do this morning. Maybe you need prayer, someone to come in agreement with you for prayer on something. If that's you, I want you to come forward. Just worship the Lord and think of areas of your life that touched you on this message and things that you need to change, things that you need to tweak in your life. Just worship the Lord as the music plays.
God's looking to bring yourself to Him as an offering. Amen. It's no more about these meat offerings and taking a, a lamb. And, no, Jesus paid the price. Just come to Him. Amen. Give yourself as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It means, God, here I am. Use me. That's what the prophet Isaiah said. God said He was used mightily. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, receive the sacrifice of a broken heart. Hallelujah. Well, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. If anyone, uh, for Wednesday night, Elizabeth reminded me. Uh, bring if, if some of you could bring cookies and, and maybe something to drink or something for the fellowship time, that'd be awesome. So come on out Wednesday if you're not able to. Come on out. Um, uh, come back Sunday. And uh, oh, I was gonna tell you. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. You know, we got out so early today that you might even be able to beat the Baptist to the restaurants this morning. Amen. <laughs> so one, two, three, go. <laughs> Amen. Have a blessed day. Hallelujah. <laughs>